Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. Yesterday, uh, I mentioned that being a parent uh, has been teaching me a little bit about God's heart or understanding His, His God heart. And this is something that's been building up over the last couple of years. And I've been wanting and meaning to use some of these illustrations in my sermons. Um, and most of the time, you know, when I'm playing with my kids or even mad or upset with my son, um, I would act weaker than I am. I mean, you know, I will praise him for the smallest things, or I used to wrestle with him, and then, you know, I would let him win, and, and so forth, right? And this is to encourage him and to build him up, give him some confidence. And sometimes I act like something hurts me more than it does to teach him consequences of some of his hurtful actions, like when he's not careful with his arms or his legs, or, you know, so forth. But once in a while, when he gets very willful and lashes out, and he, you know, he gets really angry and I get kind of angry, I show glimpses of quote-unquote true, my true power, right? That, no, I am much bigger than you and what you do actually does not hurt me that much, right? Now, and I'm not saying like I hit him or anything like that. I'm just saying when he lashes out, I can take it and it doesn't hurt me that much when, you know, I kind of like, you know, go full, right? Go full power, so to speak. And sometimes it is, it is necessary for him to understand this in terms of the true nature of our relationship, that I am like, you know, 30-something years older than him, and he's much smaller than me. And so continuing from yesterday's passage, God outlines his absolute sovereignty in relation to us to help us understand. Let's continue, read the passage, and then we'll continue. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 25 through 35. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven, and you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds and the wild animals, and there will be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors, festering sores, and the itch from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. At midday you will grope about like a blind person in the dark. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do. Day after day you will be oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue you. You will be pledged to be married to a woman, but another will take her and rape her. You will build a house, but you will not live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but you will not even begin to enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes, but you will eat none of it. Your donkey will be forcibly taken from you and will not be returned. Your sheep will be given to your enemies and no one will rescue them. Your sons and daughters will be given to another nation, and you will wear out your eyes watching for them day after day, powerless to lift a hand. 
A people that you do not know will eat what your land and labor produce, and you will have nothing but cruel oppression all your days. The sights you see will drive you mad. The Lord will afflict your knees and legs with painful boils that cannot be cured, spreading from the soles of your feet to the top of your head. In the previous two passages, the blessings and the curses were somewhat detached from God, though they, you know, come from God. They are from God. They are separate nouns that will fall on the people who obey or disobey the word of God. In today's passage, uh, from verses 27 to 35, things are a little bit more direct. There is a repetition of quote, "The Lord will inflict you" in verses 27, 28, and 35. So God will afflict disobedient people with three categories of disasters: pestilence famine, and sword. Now, the imagery here takes us back to the story of the ten plagues in Egypt and also their rescue, where God was showing himself to the world and his sovereignty, that he is sovereign over creation itself, this which is possible because he is the creator. He is not just a god of fertility, a god of this or that. He is the god, the, the one and only god, the creator, where nature does his bidding. Nature that the rest of the world worships as God. You know, they worship the sun, people worship the wind and so forth. But God created all of those things, right? Nature is an element or elements that are in God's control. So the sovereignty of God is contrasted with the utter futility of human effort. And this is summarized in verse 33. A people that you do not know will eat, what your, uh, will eat what your land and labor produce, and you will have nothing but cruel oppression all your days. Right? This is kind of a summary of the futility that they will experience, that they will have um, emotions of. And then verse 30, 31 and 32, moving on, verse 30, even their marriage or their engage, engagement, building a home horticulture or farming, verse 30, raising livestock, 32, having children. All of these, these things that are actually great, productive uh, and joyous things in our lives, in people's lives, will feel completely futile for those who disobey the word of God and disobey God. Now, you have to remember this parallels the effortlessness of the blessings from God. If we go back to the first 14 verses of chapter 28, it says here, uh, and you know, you can highlight these words if you have not yet. The Lord will cause, the Lord will command, the Lord will establish, the, God, uh, the Lord will make, the Lord will open, the Lord will make uh, again. So, you know, God can just, you know, you know, any of these things just boom, 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 blessings to fall, to rain down again and again with everything and anything. But, if you disobey God, no matter what you do, in everything that you do, you will only experience futility. So what we talked about yesterday, uh, not taking God for granted, now is felt full force in our disobedience against God. God will not be belittled. God will not leave his nature to be insulted by people who should be obeying him, by people who he created himself, who he has chosen, who he has called, and who he has rescued, and who now he is teaching, right? He's not going to stand to be insulted by these people. The acknowledgement of God is the, is the recognition and submission to his sovereignty. 
Just because he can, though, doesn't mean that he wants to. But he can and he will if he needs to. Right? Let me read that one more time. Just because he can doesn't mean he wants to, but he can and will if he needs to. And I'm talking about God exercising his sovereignty, God exercising his power. Right? Just because he can doesn't mean he wants to. He doesn't want to curse people, punish people all the time. This is not you know, the nature. The punishment uh, is not the nature of God. Right? He's not just an angry God. He's a God of wrath that we'll look at later on. But he's not just an angry God. But he will be driven to if necessary. And throughout the book, uh, the chapter of 26, uh, sorry, 28 of Deuteronomy, this is the message. Be careful. This is what I could do if you disobey. Be careful. Right? It's kind of like this, uh, the, my story of what I tell my kids sometimes, right? Be careful. Be careful. You're pushing me. You're pushing the line right now. So recognizing the sovereignty of another it does require submission on the other's part. Now, this submission is often beaten in, right? Be that, that's literally an, an expression, beaten into submission. But God didn't, and He doesn't. God shows first. God shows us first in the way that He rescues the people of Israel, but also us. God blesses first, even as in this chapter, He promises blessing first. And He rep repeatedly warns first, because God always promises salvation ultimately, even as He pronounces and promises judgment uh, and warning of curses, God always also promises salvation, because ultimately that is what His heart desires. I would like to end with this thought, that recognition of God's sovereignty requires submission on our part, humble submission on our part, and that is recognizing you know, the difference in our place, that we are His creation. Another way to say that is that we are His creatures. He has he created us, and He is God. He created everything out of nothing, and He has total power and sovereignty over us, over me, over you, over us. And that is something that we need to recognize, and that is a humbling thing. Even as we say that He is God, it takes active humility and submission on our part. So today, let's think upon that, meditate on that. And if we can, that this will make obedience so much more easier because it will be the only option. Obedience requires submission to His sovereignty. So today, let's just praise Him, recognize Him, and lift Him up as your God, as our God, as the God who is the creator of all things, who has power, sovereignty over me today. Can we do that right now? Let's pray. God, we thank you um, that you are the creator, that you are sovereign Lord over my life, over our lives, Lord. And today, through your word, we want to learn submission, humble submission to you. We don't want to try and stand up of our own right and our own pride because we know that everything that we have is from you. Everything that we are is because of you, is from you, Lord. So today we just want to praise and recognize you as King, as the Lord God Almighty, as the one who is worthy, the only one who is worthy of praise. We recognize you, Lord, 
as our God and we follow you as our God. And we declare this and may we live this today into obedience as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching further and stepping in closer.